Hey guys, welcome to the very first episode of the Uncensored Conversation Podcast with D2. This podcast is probably brought to you by Mara and you'll be hearing a lot from me and the different guests for each episode. So you must be wondering, why did D2 start this podcast? Let me tell you why. This podcast mainly covers topics on sports entertainment, lifestyle, sports innovation and life stories of athletes. Today, we have a very special guest. He's a model, he's a rugby player, He's a personal trainer. He's none either than Jay Heichel. Welcome to the show, bro. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Ma. Thank you for having me as your first official guest. That's right. Very, very honored. You are my first guest, okay? So I just, I'm just wondering, how are you doing during these trying times? Um, I guess I was like a bit like everyone at the start, a bit lost, wondering what's going to happen, especially if you're just coming into this industry. But just like everything else in my life, I've learned to quickly not mope in the situation, change, adapt, and see what works well for me. Right. I mean, of course, I know you pretty well. I also understand that you're actually studying and uh, working at the same time. How do you actually manage your time? Uh, it's, uh, it's not easy. So work, it's a bit flexible. So I do a lot of part-times here and there. Uh, I think those guys who follow me on social media know I actually work at a few places because I don't like to work at like a nine to five job or eight to eight to six or eight to five that kind because because of my school I'm studying in RMIT I'm doing business marketing I started working at uh, this boxing gym called the Ring where I'm a fitness trainer I do basic strength and conditioning stuff for all the clients there and I also work at F45 Alastia and Alexandra. I do SEC rugby coaching with you on Saturdays. Yep. That's a coaching. I do a rugby coaching. We I coach under 11s. I coach under 15s, and now I coach the under 17s with you. That's my Saturdays. And what else do I do? And also now I just started doing my own PT with uh, with this amazing guy that I met called Lawrence, and he's given me a chance to step into this other part of the fitness industry that I've always wanted to tap into, which is personal training. So yeah, a bit of mix of everything. Still trying to figure out what works well. It's still an experiment. It's still working out for me. So yeah, other than that, it's a, it's quite an experience. I think our listeners will definitely be interested to know more about what you're currently doing. People will know that you're actually a rugby player as well. So you do go for your rugby trainings, all right? So let's just get into it. Can you share with the listeners how and when do you start rugby? So we both came from the same <laughs> primary school, St. Andrews Junior School, up and on. It's a, it's a school that's rich uh, in rugby heritage and culture, right? I think just one more step back, how I got into St. Andrews was my dad, my uncles, they were all from St. Andrews. Uh, they used to live on top of the hill called Thompson, uh, sorry, Francis Thomas Drive. My granddad was a leaf cutter in St. Andrews. So throughout that time, uh, primary school in PE, they would teach rugby, not tackling yet, so touch rugby. So I think in primary two or primary three, my PE teacher was Mr. Jin Tong. Shout out to Mr. Jin Tong, both <laughs> our coaches. That's right. All right. Uh, he got, I think he got both of us into rugby, I think yeah. around the same time. So that's when it kind of started playing with the ball. I remember how I love rugby was we were having a 1v1 drill about holding the ball and we were supposed to beat the other player. There was no tackling at that point in time but I was just simply saying if I run to the right and the last moment I change my direction to the left, I can actually beat him. So that's when I figured out sidestep. But of course I didn't know it was sidestep, I didn't know what I was doing. I was just telling myself run this direction and then change. And then I was kind of beating a few people and then you know Mr. Tong 
took me in to rugby and it just blossomed from there. After a while, it just got too much rugby. I didn't, I uh, came from, I love hanging out with my friends. I wasn't spending enough time with my friends, you know, they huh. would go and play football, they would go out for movies, but I would be training on weekends and stuff. So it was too much rugby. I told myself to take a step back. So in the end of CDF after our final, uh, a few months later, I made the decision with uh, to step away from rugby. Okay. For about three years, I played football. I played <laughs> a bit of uh, Tampines Rovers under 16. Played a bit in the St. Andrews football team. And then went on to RP. Yep. And that's where we rekindled again. That's right. So, that's right. yeah. And uh, long story short, went to football tryouts in RP. <laughs> the coach was there. And he started saying, you know, who played national team, who this and that. And I was basically at the end. So I knew I had no chance. And then that's when I started to get to know, you know, Jachun, you, Kairude Omar, Iqbal, Saiful, and all these guys are so great. And yeah, I went there, went for the trial, started seeing all these familiar faces and never looked back, right? I think we won three in yeah. a row, first poly to do that. That's right. So I think. It's like very interesting how you actually, you know, your your love for the sport was very apparent when you were younger. And then at some point of time, you felt, okay, this is too much. And then that's why you decided to play football. And then, uh, of course, due to circumstances, uh, you couldn't pursue your football dreams of playing in RP again. So you, do, you decided to find an alternative, which I feel is the right one, to come in and play rugby. Then ever since then, I think personally, uh, I've seen you grown as a player and as a person. And then, uh, yeah, let's just talk about your your first uh, experience, right, with the Singapore men's national rugby team, all right, in 2013. That's that's the time where we actually both entered the men's team together. Can you share about uh, the first time we actually played against the men's team when we were in under? Uh, yeah, yeah. So for sure, I think I think you were more in uh, familiar with the rugby setup because you went yeah. through BDF and everything. So I didn't know anyone. I didn't know much about the national setup. I didn't know what was the national team about. So where we, of course, that very famous rugby uh, RP team, that, that batch where I think three, four, five, six of us were scouted into the under-20 team. Yeah. And I think it was one of the, I don't know, I can confidently say it's one of the strongest under-20 team <laughs> ever. And uh, I think we, we, we all had pride. Yeah. We all knew how good we were and we weren't afraid to show it. No matter what, I think who uh, likes of us, Saifu, Russell and a few of us. And we got a uh, trial trial match again in Yochukang Stadium, one of the best <laughs> training pitches, right? A yes. lot of memories there. And I think back then was uh, Inoki was there and then he set up a trial match, I think yeah. if I'm not wrong, Correct. against the men's team. And then <laughs> I think most of us were like, oh, we're going to get smashed by this men's team and stuff. Your brother was in the men's team, right? Yep. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. Zaki, Brian, a few of them. And yeah, I think that was one hell of a... Uh, a royal rumble, as they would say. <laughs> yeah. I think us, I think the men's team didn't know that we were we would actually be stepping up, and you know, it was good. They were they were really competitive. They were a men's team, and then we just you know we never stepped back. There were a few fights, a few tackles. <laughs> I think we gave a few a few hard hits. I gave a few hard hits at the end, and uh, it was just all those match. I think we as under twenty boys didn't felt like we wanted twenty boys. We wanted to. Yeah. Proof, you know, we wanted to step out that we are not under 20 boys, we were men. So, yeah. and then I think after that match, a lot of the coaches saw that a lot of us could step in with the men's team and, you know, be stand toe to toe with them. 
Yeah. So that was definitely a very, very good, was one of the good trading nights I felt. Yeah. So speaking of that, um, after so-called that trial and then we entered into the men's team, uh, do you find it actually difficult to play your first tournament which was in Thailand? Yeah, well, first of all, where was we for? Thailand was it? I can't remember. Uh, I'm it not was, sure uh, Bangkok or Pattaya or something like that. I know it was in Thailand. Uh, yeah, I think Thailand. Yeah. So I didn't know what to expect. I didn't watch much rugby. I didn't know about Seven's culture and you know mm. going to different parts of, the, uh, of Asia back then. So at the same time, I didn't know what to expect, so I wasn't as nervous. So I was a bit blinded to know what was happening until we started seeing all the other players and all that. I, I was quite lucky to go out because at that point in time, DM who was the captain, he couldn't he couldn't make it. He couldn't go up, so I was like a last minute call up to replace him because he had work. So I was I was I was called up for that. So I think it was a blessing in disguise. Yeah, I think for me when we both got up there, we. We were just kids, right? We were just yeah. like, oh, okay, enjoy. Going <laughs> out with the with the with this with this man overseas tournament. No one, no no supervision. Didn't have to pay for anything. Didn't have to worry about anything. They were gonna take care of us until we got onto the pitch, right? And then, yeah, I think we're, I can't remember who were we playing first, but I think that Philippines game was the yeah. one that really changed me. Yeah, I think that point in time. Um, Marcusio was a coach. I think we both were the debutants. I think, or oh, there were there some more. I can't remember. There was. I remember there was Nashu. Uh, who yeah. else there? But I, I know I didn't play the first game. You, I think you only you were the one who played the first game. Out of the yeah, game. I was. Uh, yeah. I, I was the first one. I I was a forward. I think yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was, I can and I being up against the Philippines boys. For you know, I think everyone knows Philippine rugby. They are big, strong boys. So yeah, I mean, Saifu, the magic yeah. magician. <laughs> gave a few runs here and there, just like how he did, uh, like how he led us in poly, and you know he gave a few kicks and here and there. At that time, I had speed, so <laughs> yeah, I think I scored a couple of tries, and then we, you know, that that was a memorable to- memorable tournament. It was really good. I think uh, what is really fun, you know, at that point of time when we were 19, 20 year old, um, we just wanted to learn, you know, from the older guys and stuff like that. So uh, I would say like the older guys like Sydney and DM, all that they really nurture us, lah. And they always reminded us, okay, uh, when it's your turn to be here, you know, you gotta learn how to take care of the younger guys. Which I felt that they did take care of the younger guys uh, pretty well. Lah. Shout out to them. After that, 2013, alright, uh, we we played rugby all the way together. Uh, and then, of course, you had the prime opportunity, alright. Uh, you got called up to be part of this, uh, I would call it professional team, for the Asia Pacific Dragons, okay. so. You were called up to play in a tournament in Hong Kong uh, alongside superstars. Can you just share the experience a bit? Can you name them? Who are they? Who you played with? Who you played against? Yeah, so Inoki Afiaki came over and then uh, he was the technical director. He set up this thing with his good friend Tana Umaga, who was the coach for Asia Pacific Dragons. At the time, APD was a big thing. It was coming up, right? So they will select one person and then um, we'll definitely go up there and stuff. So at that point in time, they would of course select the best Singapore rugby player at that point in time, right? So actually, I was not the first option, truth to be told. I, I, I don't think I was the first option and I think Inoki also told me, I think there were a few people before me who deservedly deserved to go before me. Uh, at that point in time, I remember receiving a call. I was actually at CGH with my granddad. Mm-hmm. Uh, at that point in time, he was uh, he was around sending him to get his medications and stuff. And then, you know, I got a call and I, of course, I did not hesitate. And I said yes. At the point of time, I did not know much rugby stars, but I did know Radiki Samo, George Smith, 
Yes, at that point in time, Sammy Konatani was not famous yet. Ah, yeah. yes. So a lot of Fijian players, a lot of Samoan players, a lot of legends over there. I was just this small, at that point in time, skinny boy from Singapore, right? And I was supposed to be, uh, I don't know, this fast guy. But talking about my experience with them, I played. I didn't play with the first team. I played the second team. But the second team had uh, Sammy Konatani and all these some of the other players, the Fijian boys. Sammy, at the point in time, I know he was this big guy, he was nice. He was telling me, he was teaching me, you know, when you go here, you know, I'll be on your outside, just pop, you know, and just give him the ball and follow him and stuff like that. It was all quite fast, like everything happened quite fast, you know. You just had to learn on the spot, like during the training, they weren't going to hold your hand, they weren't going to spoon feed you, you would just have to see what they're doing, try to move along. Of course, there were a lot of media stuff, so you just got to get around the media stuff to see, you know. I felt at that point in time, I felt really privileged. Like, there was one game where we played against each other. APD1 against APD2, right? First team right. against the second team. And I know I was playing out centre and I was starting. By that time, it was 10, so it was rolling stuff. So I would always start first and then another guy would finish. Uh, another one of the Fijians, Ledua Mao, who's playing in, uh, in the France now, top 14. And my opposite number was uh, <laughs> Alessandra Tuilangi, right? Yeah. And I knew that I was, uh, I wasn't the best, I was a horrible tackler back then, I, I hated tackling, so I, what I did was I, the first few times shot up against him, of course he just palmed me down, I went flat to the ground, and then I got up, I tried again a few times, and I remember um, one of the All Blacks uh, legends from, I can't remember his name, he was on top and he was just saying stuff like, you know, I think the most important thing is you know your number is that you got to do something, you know, don't just yeah. Don't just give up. I know that just because it's bigger, you're gonna let him step over you. You gotta try. So, yeah, at that point in time, that's when I think after that tournament, Semi Kudatani, when he just blossomed after that. So, at that point in time, yeah, it was really good. I think the most, the number one thing I take away from there is there was one point in time where just before the dinner, I was looking for everyone. So, no, there was no one, not much people who spoke English, right? There was a Japanese guy, a Samoan guy, a Fijian guy and stuff. So then I went down and suddenly I got lost where some of the Fijian boys were having like a prayer before yeah. before dinner and I was lost. So I, it was awkward because it was quiet but I already had walked in and I couldn't walk out. So right. and then Sammy and some of the boys like come just join us, sit down and then you know they respectfully when I came in they, they didn't say their prayer, they just started singing along and you know if I had my phone that time and I recorded <laughs> it, by that time it wasn't but I think one of the things they always told me is like, you know, no matter what level you are, you always got to be humble, learn. You can learn from people who is not as good as you, someone who's better than you. There's so many things you can learn. So, yeah, that's the number one thing. Nice. Speaking of that, uh, will you go professional if given the opportunity to be a professional rugby player? For sure, without a doubt. I think a lot of us would. Yeah. I think those people who don't know the term professional, I think it's basically you get paid for doing for playing rugby but it's more than that I feel like you get to experience what it's like to be a full-time rugby player I think we, we have a bit of that but we're mm -hmm. balancing with school or work right yeah. to actually make rugby your life and your job is I feel such an experience I think doing just one year of that in maybe in New Zealand or Australia or South Africa or England any of these top countries your level of rugby will just escalate yeah. 10, 20 falls without a doubt no, to be tell to tell yourself, okay, today my job is to go to the gym and work hard. My job is to go and play rugby. And I think no matter the days where I feel like 
you know, I don't feel good, I feel tired, but just to know that, you know, rugby is my life, is my job, I don't think that I can find any fault in that. Yeah, I think, I, I, like, I mean, like you said, who don't want to be professional in Singapore, but at the moment, all right, not much opportunities yet, but honestly, I do hope the younger generation, you know, probably 15, 16 year olds, all right, when they get to this age, you know, perhaps there'll be more opportunities for them, hopefully. So anyway, let's get to our next point. You started rugby again, all right? You got drafted into the national team. You've got the opportunity to play with a professional team. And then something happened, okay? You then had a life-threatening injury. So do you mind just sharing with us, uh, how do you find out about this injury and what is the injury? It was after the SEC 7s, right? We were playing for yeah. Singapore together. I can't remember which year it was. I think 2015. it was 2016. Eh, 2016. 2015. Yeah. Eh, no, before it was the lead up to the SEA Games. Yeah, it yeah. was the lead up for the SEA Games, right? Yeah. So I think so it was in November. Yeah. yeah, so it was in November. Yeah. And then we just had this very long period of rugby, right? Yeah. We had RP, then yeah. we had national team, and then we had SEC 7s, and then we, because they had the whole thing planned up for SEA Games. And then at that point in time, we all deferred our NS, right? We were graduating in 2014, but they told us, you know, don't go into NS, you know, and I deferred, right? Without a doubt, I just said, okay, no, let me just play SEA Games, which was supposed to be in August 2015. So after that, we had a short space in December where we could go holiday and enjoy before we start again in January. That was our short break. So the following week, so I had an eye injury. So that was quite a memorable (laughs) tournament, I think. I had an eye injury, so I had to take it, I'd be taken to the hospital and all that. And then I already had booked my trip to Boracay in the Philippines with a couple of my friends. Uh, I've never been to the Philippines and I've never had a holiday, you know, with my friends where I would go for like water activities. Yeah. So one of the things was uh, was the one where we glide in the air and then there was snorkeling, there was diving, yeah. uh, paragliding and stuff like that. I wanted to do that after playing again, going back to rugby like, 100% right you just graduated from poly but you still you haven't enjoyed while all your other friends are enjoying before they go NS yeah so it was in Boracay second day or third day of the holiday and I was there for a week and we were uh, snorkeling so when you snorkel you're at the top you're at the surface right but you're looking down like this in this position so I was in the sun in this position for about 30-45 minutes when at the sea, you don't really feel thirsty. So I wasn't drinking a lot of water. I was mm-hmm. under the sun. It was maybe 3 or 4 p.m. or 5 p.m. Horrible time to snorkel. <laughs> I got back. I didn't feel much. I felt okay. And then, you know, after being under the sun and the sea, you just felt so tired. So I slept. Right. I slept on my couch. You know, when you're just so tired, you just slept on your couch. And my couch wasn't so small. It, was, <laughs> it wasn't so big. So it was small. I ended up lying down on my hand for the duration of the sleep. When I woke up, and uh, there was my whole hand was tense and red. Okay. So at that point in time, I thought it was some kind of uh, skin infection, or you know, you, you know, when you sleep on your hand too long, you just, yeah, just one of those numb. things. Yeah. Yeah. So it was close to dinner, so I was like, okay, maybe this will go off, and it was it wasn't that bad. And then it got really tense, like it was it was red, swollen, and it was could not like flex yeah. it, and I could not straighten it. It was just in this position. This was closing to the end of the the holiday. So mm-hmm. I, I went to see, I thought, because I had some henna tattoo, so I thought it was skin irritation. Went to get some medication, painkiller, it didn't go off. Went to see a masseuse, I don't know why I did that. <laughs> uh, massage it, but it didn't work. And then got onto the plane the next day. 
uh, falling asleep, uh, thinking that it will be okay. Go back to Singapore, it didn't get any better. At that point in time, we went, uh, went uh, who was our physio back then? Was it uh, Joy? Went to see Joy at SRU, told her I had a pain, this was, it was happening. And, and I didn't know how to cure it. She didn't know what it was also, so she sent me to Dr. Cormac. Dr. Mm. Cormac, I, I saw him straight away after that. He examined me, he had some uh, tests done, and he didn't know what it was as well. He wrote me a letter. That day itself, I went to A&E. So this was the next day after I came back. I went to CGH a and I gave this letter, waited in A&E for about an hour or two. And throughout the whole night, they were just trying to figure out what's wrong. Because you don't know, right? You come in and then there's this thing that's happening. Yeah. And I did not have, I'm this fit uh, 19, 18-year-old boy who plays rugby and how did I have this, right? And throughout the whole night, I, I don't know how many tests they did on me. They did skin tests, they did blood tests and all those tests. They even checked my brain, checked my <laughs> spine, checked my neck, everything. And then I think the next day, the next day at around 6 or 7 a.m., uh, Dr. Stephen come, the specialist. I remember this doctor because he's the same doctor as my granddad. So it was quite a coincidence. He comes out with this big book what, of like diseases and stuff. And then like, he opens up maybe three quarter of the book. And then this small part, he says, Paget scroter disease. So basically, it's DVT, deep vein thrombosis. So deep vein thrombosis is usually when you sit down on the plane. Oh, people get this when you sit down on the plane too long. There's no blood to your legs. When people say it's very rare, it's because this usually happens for older people, number one. It only happens on the lower part of your body, so that's number two. Number three, it usually happens to people who play sports that require this upward motion. So tennis, baseball, water polo, this kind of outward motion, you know. Yeah, and it doesn't usually happen in Asia. So those were the three rarity and especially it doesn't happen to people around my age at that point in time. So basically, I had an extra cervical rib. So this is my scar. I had an extra rib bone. So if I put my hands up for this long, like for a certain amount of time, blood goes to my hand, but it doesn't come up to my heart. So if I stay in this position long enough at that point in time, I could actually faint or something like that. Basically, it was a simple operation. You just had to take out the extra rib bone so that the, the vein that was clipping onto the bone would be released. So at that point in time, my, my upper body could not contain the amount of muscles there were, so there was no space for my blood to move. That was a really, um, yeah, like what you say, it's dark. It was a challenging time. Imagine being like, so-called one of the best in Singapore at that point in time. Yeah. And then to tell yourself like, boom, no SEA Games. There's a possibility that you won't be even to play rugby anymore. There's a possibility you cannot do any kind of activity or sport at all. Just be happy that you can walk the next day. So I was in ICU for 11 days. Yeah, I remember visiting you. <laughs> yes, you, yeah. you, Zaki, and I think Naresh. Correct. Others, yeah. So speaking of that, right, I can imagine your world came crashing down. Lah. You were so-called, you know, in prime position to participate for SEA Games and then this happened. But the good thing about you is, right, even after your surgery and all that, uh, actually, how long were you, like, so-called, uh, not allowed to move? Just the 11 days? Close to two to three weeks, but I was in ICU for 11 days. I remember after that, right, you still came down to trainings and you supported us, which I feel that not many people do, to be very honest. And then, of course, uh, the people listening, if you know Jay, he's a funky guy, he's a funny guy. He's basically like the one that gathers the team together, right? So even though he couldn't um, contribute to the team on the field, but off the field, I think your support was immense. Lah. 
Yeah, so I think speaking of that, right? Just let me share one story. I remember when uh, you know when we played the Sea Games, uh, and then we were play against Thailand. Is this a fateful game where it was my first time getting a yellow card in my life, and it had to be on the biggest tournament that I've played so far, and it had to be in Singapore. Uh, we had to win it to progress to the finals. I got yellow carded, and then we lost that game. Am I right? Did we lose? Yes. Yeah. Uh, we we won, but it wasn't enough. Right, 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 right. Sorry. I think so. Yeah. yeah. The point. Uh, if everyone knows how Sea Games rugby works, it's a bit like a point system. So. Yeah. So, the moment I got yellow carded, I was crying. I remember I was crying while running to the chair where I need to sit. After the game, I was really sad. Then Jay came up to me and said, "It's okay. You still got other matches. So just focus on that." And then eventually, we got the bronze medal. And it was really nice of you to always just be there, especially for the team. And like one more for me, because we are really uh, quite close in that sense. So I I do appreciate that uh, gesture of yours. No worries, man. <laughs> I appreciate. I'm glad I could be there. I mean, I, I think one of the most important things, if I could tell anyone yeah. or any any athlete that you're part of a sports team, right? Not a solo sport, right? Is 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 not just about being there on the field. I feel like so many people think that just because they are in the first team. They're in the main team. They don't need to talk to people. Mm. Like this is what I learned from APD. Like even if you're the water boy or the kid man, or whatever, you know, you're still part of that growth of that team. You right. know, you're still part of them reaching to that bronze final. You are part of that. Do not tell that. Do not just because you did not contribute to that that game, mm-hmm. you weren't on that field. You were still part in that growth in that training. On their off days when you have dinner with them and stuff like that, I, I, that's that's what I felt like was a big part for me. So, with like the values that you hold, I think your road to recovery was, I would say, easier than normal, right? Can I say that, right? And then yeah. of course you have your family support and your emotional support. How important was it for for you to have your family there, like during that point of time? Yeah, for sure, because uh, my. My family at that point in time, I was I'm the only one in my family who really plays sports besides mm-hmm. my sister, which she played a bit in secondary school, and then my mom played a bit when she was young. But no one ever went as far as me, like as in when you pass a certain age, they they don't play sports at all, right? So at that point in time, for them to understand why I put myself through this, why I still want to play, it was very hard for them to understand. But for them, it's very easy. Just stop, then go and find a proper career. Mm. Stop, go and do something else. This this is it. This is God telling you. Enough. Just yeah. go and do something else. But for me, it was more of a challenge than more of like a change in another direction. I felt like with them there, and then they understood how much rugby shaped me as a person, shaped my ideologies, shaped my way of life, shaped the way I think as a person. Uh, they knew that they could never persuade me to do anything else but play rugby again. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, without the support of you guys coming down, especially you. Uh, Kaioma, so many people that came down, and I think my uh, those people who were my loved ones were very close to me at that point in time. Who constantly came down every other day, right? Uh, gave me hope, like at that point in time. And I always believe I have this super Asian mindset that my mom <laughs> and dad is instilled in me. Is that you know, uh, in my in Malay we always say bersyukur for what you have. So if you can, if you can still walk, you can still eat, and you can still do something about it, then do don't don't be sad because there's people in the world. Who are in worse conditions than you? So I that's when I started this mindset of before I want to complain, before I want to say something negative, I bite my tongue. I think back what position am I in? 
So I asked the physio at that point in time. I asked the doctor, okay, is there a chance? He said yes, very minimal. But I say, is there a chance? If there's a chance, and then we work towards it, and then yeah, with all the support from you guys, that really helped me. Yeah. I think just show that I wasn't alone in that. Nice. So of course, uh, after you have recovered, and then you went back to play, I would say that even though you were still, you know, there's a lot of setbacks along the way for you to achieve your goal of playing uh, the Sea Games. But to so-called summarize it, right, in a way, I think you just you're just a person who never gives up, lah. You will keep trying until you achieve it. Am I right to say that? Yeah, I mean, for me, I just felt like.、Um, That's the thrill, right? Why you Why you chasing?、Yeah. What、yeah. are you? What keeps you going? You know, for me is to be able to play at such a high level with my friends, with this group of people that I grew up with,、mm-hmm. to know that to be known that I was part of this legacy, of this team, and you know, like like I always believe that for me, I I'm not the most skillful person in the team. Everybody knows that I'm not the fittest. That's、right. not That's not my forte. <laughs> for me, I always believe. That I need to be the hardest worker in the team. I need to be that person where everybody know that I don't give up easily. One, like、yeah. my mental and physical limit is there's no boundaries for me. Like I will try to do anything, everything to be the best in whatever I can do, lah. So I feel like that's what sets me apart. Yeah, really compelling stories that you shared there, and I feel like you know, let's say when we watch、uh, athletes on TV, you just see one perspective of them. Like okay, for example, say like Cristiano Ronaldo. He's an excellent footballer, you know.、Uh, you see on his social media, he works hard, blah blah blah. But you don't really know what's happening in his life, right? So I feel like this podcast、uh, gives me the opportunity, gives the listeners the opportunity to listen into the life stories of、uh, athletes, which is the title of today's podcast. So, yeah, I think thank you for sharing all that. What are you up to now? Like just now, you mentioned、uh, you were studying and you are working. My question is. Why did you turn to、uh, becoming a personal trainer as a so-called like a full-time profession instead of doing something in、uh, your marketing degree, right? Yeah.、Uh, so, I was of course shaped by my mom who does advertising and marketing. So that was naturally what I wanted to lean towards. That's what my sister is doing, and that's what naturally I felt I wanted to do. I wanted to meet people. I wanted to do all this. I love. I love doing that because she, when I was young, she always bring me around to all these events, and naturally that's why I took the degree. I think it was 2018. I、mm-hmm. just、uh, ordered after、yeah. two years, <laughs> and I and at the time I did not have any money, so I did not have any part-time job yet. The only way I could find job was the only thing we were doing was coaching at that point. I was doing coaching only at that point. I think was the first one to do coaching in the academy, SCC Academy, and that was my only source source of income. But the problem was that it, it took three months before they could pay. But that's just how the nature of the job. I needed something that could pay me monthly. After coming out from NS, and that's when I look for internships. And you know, RMIT works where it's six months per semester, but、yeah. you're only in school for three to four months, and then in that two months is like a holiday exam period kind of thing. So I chose to take that exam holiday period type in that three months to go for internship. So while I'm studying for my exams, I went to do internship three months internship, and that's when I was looking around. You know, I, I knew I asked you and a few other people was that internship was. You got to find that early, and then hopefully、yeah. from there you convert to full time. That's the nature of it, right? So I was in SSI a lot because of my injury, and that's where I spoke and created this bond with Auntie Dolly. Everyone who knows Singapore sports knows、yeah. Auntie Dolly, the mother of everyone. Yeah. And I think me, Auntie Dolly, has a lot of secrets that we cannot share. <laughs> But 
she was the one who definitely helped me linked up with another great man who's helping a lot of nationalities, James Walton. And they linked me up with Deloitte. And naturally, in my department, I think everyone who knew me back then, how much fun it was in clients and marketing. Okay, shout out to everyone there. I miss you all. Uh, Chelsea and Joe and everyone else. Yeah, so I did that for two internships. So I did, I did two, three months worth mm. of those of that job. It was a good job. I really loved it. I, 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 I liked what I was doing. I felt like I was always challenged and stuff. But being an athlete and stuff, right, was I felt that being in an office from 8 to 5 and being restricted in that, you know, I was this guy who was restricted in this cubicle. Everything right. you say or do is like, everyone can hear you because it's so <laughs> soft. And then after that, at a point in time, do I want to be doing this for the next 5 to 10 years? Do I see myself doing this? And if yes, am I doing it for the right reasons? Am I going to be happy there? Don't get me wrong. Some people love doing this. It's, it's for them. Yeah. But then I felt that there's actually a great opportunity for me to go into the fitness industry a bit more. So that's when I started looking out for jobs in the fitness industry. That's when I got into the ring, boxing, uh, being a fitness trainer there, got through a friend there. And then I went through, uh, met uh, Rati, who I uh, met uh, from my good friend Jack Salon, and then she, she was a studio manager in F45. So that's when, you know, F45 Balestia was opening up. I was with F45 Alexandra yeah. for a while, then, and then F45 Balestia, and then I was doing coaching. So I was doing that. So if everyone was wondering how many things was I doing, I was doing <laughs> those two, plus coaching. And then, of course, uh, at a point in time, I did a bit of uh, some PT at the side, but it wasn't formal. And that's where I was linked up with a mutual friend, uh, Loxy, uh, who linked up both of us, uh, me and, of course, Lawrence, this guy I met, was already in the fitness industry doing PT for many, many years. And he was looking someone to branch out and open up his business a bit more. So that's where you see the term on my social media, BBL, Bodies by Lawrence. So uh, that's the guy that I work with. And now I do, yeah, I do the ring. I do F45. I do um, the Zoom classes, which is the bootcamp classes. And now I also do PT. Wow. You are doing a lot of things. And I'm amazed, like, how can you find time to slot, you know, all these activities, which are work, basically, uh, into your daily routine. So it's really a lot of respect for you out there. uh, Because, like, for me, Technically, well, I say I, I, I do I do have like an 8 to 5 job, but like, you see, like my job is slightly more different because I get this opportunity to interview you. So that's why I, I do enjoy yeah. it a lot as well. Just before we close up, is there anything that you want to advise to our listeners? What is like your main message or your main key takeaway? Uh, it's as cliche as it comes, but it's my number one point is that besides the hard work, besides not going up, it's all about being positive. And when I mean positive, it's not like, oh, good vibes and all that. Yeah. But like, you have a bad situation, assess, and then ask yourself two questions. Can you do something about it? If you can, work towards doing that. If you can't, move on. All right? right. You, you you can't stay and mope in that too long. The longer you mope, the more your the people around you is going to move forward in life. That's when, you know, I think the best people even on and off the field is how you react to a situation at that point in time. You know, be positive that, you know, when I was, a doctor told me I couldn't play rugby anymore. I was like, okay, at least I can walk. At least yeah. I can have kids. That yeah. was it. And then now the doctor told me, okay, now you can jog. Okay, now I can jog. You get what I'm saying? So, yeah, yeah I mean, no matter whatever challenge you face in your life, 
I see just said enough for me. I mean, I was close where I I was in ICU for 11 days. One of the days, my left lung collapsed, so I was I wow. had pneumonia. So they had to put a tube in here and here to drain out the water for one whole night. So I was actually drowning. I thought I was in a dream drowning, but I was actually drowning. Yeah. But even in that point in time, I knew that you know I I made it through that. Um, that's the worst that could happen now. Let's see what's going to happen next. Be positive. One key takeaway is be positive in whatever situation you have. Try to turn it around to your advantage. Wow, that is amazing. I think, wow. I to be honest, ah, as a friend talking to you, I never heard you saying that to me, lah. <laughs> so I think it's, it's it's really nice that you actually you know get out of your comfort zone. Okay, like you you actually genuinely want to share this story so that people listening, you know, can um, you know can learn a thing or two. So really, thank you, Jay, for your time today. For us to understand what it takes to be an athlete, and as well as motivating、um, most of us here, okay, and I'm sure that all the listeners would definitely have a good time listening to this podcast, okay. So I thank you for that. All right. So thank you everyone for listening. Okay. See you on the next episode. Bye bye. Thank you. Thanks, Mara.